It is so difficult for leaders to keep clarity in this world because of two things, time and change. I mean, we'll talk about trust right now and tomorrow people will forget, it was, oh, I really love that podcast. It was, a, oh, that was really cool. It was about, uh, I mean, we, we have such a busy, fast-paced, noisy world. We're losing clarity every day because of time and change. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step. I'm Trisha, the CEO of Belay. My co-host Lisa is out today, so I'm going to be going solo on this episode. For the One Next Step podcast, we want to bring you episodes filled with excellent content. We're here to help you on your leadership journey and ultimately help you enjoy your work and your life. Today, we're talking about trust. Of course, being a trusted leader matters, but how do you practically become more trustworthy as a leader? Joining us is the CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute, David Corsager. David is also the best-selling author of The Trust Edge. Earlier this year, David released his new book, Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results, which we're going to link to in the show notes. David has a lot of insight to give us, so let's get started. Welcome to the One Next Step podcast, David. It is a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Trisha. This is going to be fun. I know. I'm ready for a fun conversation. And speaking of fun... (laughs) (laughs) I have a fun uh, question for you. I mean, I know you just, we were just talking about how you got back from a really fun family vacation, but if you were to live anywhere outside of the U.S., I mean, you've traveled all around the world, right? Like, where would you go and where would you live if you were not in the U.S.? Wow. It's a great question. I, you know, I love the United States of America, and I love to travel. I've, we do work, obviously, on six continents, uh, as you know. The only place that isn't using Trust Edge work right now is Antarctica. But How dare they? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would like to, you know, th- funny, I'm going to choose a place I've never been to, actually. I've been to oh, the country, okay. country, but not the city. Okay. I've heard great things about Barcelona, and uh, my my uh, I, we have some family there and in Madrid, and uh, I've been to Spain and Madrid, Toledo, a lot of that. But I think uh, Barcelona would be an interesting place to live for a time. But I love – there's lots of places. I might pick uh, – we're doing some really neat work that I'm, I'm passionate about in Kenya. So Nairobi might be a, mm. another place I'd pick. Those are quite different. But um, anyway. I love it. Today love I'll go it. with Barcelona. Yeah, I love it. Maybe tomorrow would be a different one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably wind up on some. I'd like to live on my own island, actually. Okay. So you know, you know, you you don't seem as the hermit type. I don't. I don't. (laughs) You're thinking I would miss the people part of it. I'm living on an island by myself. (laughs) I've been on islands. Some, you know, I obviously, you know, been on several. But it's like after a time, it's like they they get small, you know. Yeah. Well, how about an island? Oh, you just want to own Greenland? Okay. Yeah. I want to own a small, I want to be like Richard Branson and have yeah. my own little island that yep. I can live in. But then I can boat and fly sure. to the mainland. Yeah, right? you got the helicopter can, and jet. Okay. I can make my way to Miami or something like that if I'm missing the people. But yeah, I'd love to live on some Caribbean islands. That's what I would love to do. Perfect. Anyway, that's my non-US. We'll come visit. Yeah. 
Yeah, really. Uh, Anyway, I love it. Uh, Well, I'm so thrilled to have you on today to talk a lot about leadership and trust. And you have an amazing new book out, um, Eight Pillars of Trust, which I'm looking forward to kind of digging into a little bit. But before we even get there, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how it is you became to be the kind of go-to expert on trust for leaders. It is a fascinating story and I'd love you to share it. Sure. Just to get the, the subtitles, what you said, the book is called Trusted Leader. That's Trusted the new Leader. one. And, okay. um, and, and, you know, a couple other books that are Wall Street Journal bestsellers. All my work is around trust. And the journey was, you know, I was doing uh, part of a big youth and family organization, Canica uh, Camps, way, you know, 20 some years ago. And I came back, I built some leadership curriculum. Lisa and I started our first company in 1999. We got asked to do some of this leadership work here, there, and I started thinking it was intuitive at first. I was like, that's not a leadership issue. It's a tr- that's a trust issue. They don't trust the leader. That's not a sales issue. They're not buying because they don't trust the leader. It's not a marketing issue. That's not that marketing is having no impact because they don't trust the message. So I just intuitive at first. That led to my grad work, which became uh, important and interesting to people much more known than me way back. But then we started using the work, and the results were amazing to myself and others, and the first significant company we used it on. They saw, they said in nine months, we saved two to four million in attrition costs. And then we had someone say they tripled sales in 90 days. We had someone else say it saved their marriage. So it's kind of like personal mm. and organizational. And and then my grad work, and then that first book became a Wall Street Journal bestseller from this, you know, farm kid from Minnesota at a time when I was not known by, by anybody. And, um, and little by little now, 20 some years later, out of the Institute here, we put out the, I think the biggest study on trust and leadership out of North America. It's a global study. And Edelman does a great global work, bigger work uh, too on, on research side. But we, we, have, we have some of the best measurement tools for measuring trust and closing gaps in organizations. We, uh, you know, obviously speak, uh, speak and train around the world. And then we have a platform for coaches that can get certified. So now we have certified mm-hmm. coaches on six continents. And we also certify folks inside of big companies that keep driving a high performing culture on trust. So maybe I want to make this interactive, but I maybe should back up for yeah. one second and say this. I believe today with a whole lot of passion and research on six continents and our, our study uh, without ego, I believe I can say at the core, the root issue is always a trust issue. And most people get it wrong. That's why I wrote Trusted Leader, because they're solving the wrong issue. They think it's an engagement issue. It never is. The only way to increase engagement is trust. They think it's a net promoter score or referral issue. It never is. The, only, the research shows the only way to get more referrals is increase trust. People think it's a leadership issue. It never is. The only way to, the only way to, you know, the reason our leaders follow it or not is trust. It's not a sales issue. The reason people buy or not is trust. It's not a marketing issue. The only way to amplify a marketing message is trust. It's not an innovation issue. The, the only way to increase innovation on a team is increase trust. So People share ideas, mark uh, diversity and inclusion, equity. Uh, the only the biggest study shows uh, Harvard study shows diversity on its own pits people against each other. It tends to unless you increase trust, then you get the benefits of diversity uh, and equity, which we we obviously know is is incredibly valuable and research based. Even learning, and you, you take our kids' classroom. The only way to increase learning in a classroom is increase trust either in the teacher, the content or the psychological safety or trust of the room. So mm-hmm. when people start to see trust as the issue, they actually start to solve the real issue. And then we see there's actually a way to build it that goes beyond the trite things that people might think, like it's just integrity or this or that. Wow. That is, yeah, that is that is profound. And I imagine life-changing for a leader to actually recognize that that is the core 
missing component to maybe gaps they see in their business or their leadership, and then to reality. And so I imagine you spend a lot of time helping people's leaders see why there is that gap and then how to then become the trusted leader. Absolutely. And the the other part of this, and this goes back to my original research, which is a little bit interesting to people, and that is the first half of my original research, the big finding was a lack of trust is the biggest expense in the bottom. The biggest cost is actually a lack of trust. Mm. People think it's so you, you think about this. Um, people didn't see it like, oh, trust is a soft skill. No, the biggest cost, even in the bottom line or an impact is actually trust. You think of if I if I don't trust you, a good example of a lack of trust mm-hmm. without all the research is a lock. Right. I don't trust you. So I put a lock on something. So what's the cost of that lack of trust? Well, I got to buy the lock. That's money. But the biggest cost is time. Now I got to open it every time I go through the gate. Massive. Yeah. Or text someone you trust, right? Blip, it's done. Now try to text someone you don't trust. How long does that take? Mm, are they going to take this? And it revise. Right? And yeah. it revise. Yeah. So there's, there's a whole mm. lot. And we show that. That first research showed when trust increased, attrition went down, retention went up, cost, problems, skepticism mm. went down. So it was the leading indicator. And I will argue this, that trust is always the leading indicator. We're looking for leading indicators for success. Trust is always the leading. Everything else lags. So when we solve trust, we solve engagement. We solve retention. We solve, But we have to work at it. And it's something that people can work. It's not something you have or don't. You can actively build trust every day. So talk about that. So let's say, actionably speaking, um, you have a leader. There are trust issues. They've recognized that they have these issues that maybe their retention is poor or results are poor. I know as part of your book, you talk about these concepts and pillars of trust. How do they play into, you know, making change? Yep, absolutely. That's what we're, uh, people say we're good at is research-based but actionable tomorrow morning. But first we have to have that common language because these eight pillars, they're not just kind of trite pillars in a motivational book. They they came out of research. So these eight mm-hmm. traits of the most trusted leaders and organizations, they are noted or denoted by a C word. That's not because it's some, you know, oh, make it all C's, but that's, these C words represent the eight funnels really of, of, of how trust is built. And I believe actually without ego, you can solve every organizational and leadership issue against these eight. Doesn't mean it's easy. We use it globally. You have to, you can contextualize it. So I'll give the eight very quickly. I, I'll give everything away. People can get the book. There's a bunch more takeaways in it. There's free resources we're going to give your audience, of course, to uh, if you'd like it. But but let me give them because we have to have a common yep. language. So I'll try not to go deep here uh, because I can talk about give the takeaways of how you build each one, and you can ask me, and I'll give a takeaway under any one you want. But okay. the eight pillars. So so people can see, oh, that's the issue. So mm-hmm. here they are, clarity. Number one is clarity. People trust the clear, and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. And people have, this, you know, there's counterforces. So complexity, ambiguity, right? Mm-hmm. And just to take this one and, and, and see how it works for everyone. Well, the leader, maybe they're not clear about the vision, so people aren't following. The manager, maybe they're not clear about expectations, so people I'm buying it. The, the, the salesperson, maybe the salesperson's not being bought from, even though they're really clear about how cool they are and how long they've been in business, and but they're not clear about the benefits to me of that product, so I don't buy. Mm-hmm. The teacher, well, that's a compassionate teacher. Why do the kids hate the teacher? Turns out that teacher is unclear about the assignments, so the kids go home frustrated and they start to hate the teacher. In every case mm-hmm. in this scenario, it was a clarity issue, right? Um, yeah. So anyway, 
Clarity. Number two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond ourselves. We have a hard time following or being accountable to someone who doesn't care, even if they don't care about us, care about a mission or something beyond themselves. Number three is character. Many think, oh, character is everything. It's foundational, but it's not everything. Still, it is, you know, we have a seven-step process for how you drive character into an organization. There's some questions you should ask as a leader around character. It's foundational. But number four is competency. For this very reason, I might trust Trisha to take my kids to the ball game. She has character. She has compassion. But that doesn't mean I'll trust Trisha to give me a root canal, right? Because of competency. You've yeah, got to you stay. F- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You've, you've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. So people listening, if you're leading the way you were 10 years ago, I don't trust you. If you're selling the way you were five years ago, I don't trust you. You've got to stay fresh and relevant and capable. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, overlap here of what Belay has done to be that, which is pretty cool. The next pillar is commitment. We trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. If you see people that have left a, a real legacy in history or uh, you know, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc. And you'll find people that were committed to something beyond themselves and they were often trusted for it, often to death, right? So next pillar is connection. We trust those that are willing to connect and collaborate with others. You know, if we if we see siloing in an organization, unwillingness to share resources, we know that that lack of trust across the organization is, is hurting resourcing and, and, and hurting uh, the bottom line and impact and a host of other things. The next pillar is, seventh pillar here, is contribution. And really, you can think about this. Some of the key words that came out of this research funnel were results, mm. uh, performance, outcomes. So you might be compassionate. You might be have character in a way. But if you don't get the results I expect or ask for, contribute the results, right. I'm not going to trust you. You know, you could be a surgeon that's really compassionate and go in for amputation and cut off the wrong leg. We got, we got a problem, right? So Big got, problem, big problem. <laughs> final pillar. It's the queen and king. Oh. It's, it is the pillar over everything, even though it sits at the foundation, consistency. We trust mm. whatever you do consistently. So if you're late all the time, I will, in fact, trust you to be late. If you, you know, it, it, people may not like McDonald's, but they trust McDonald's. I've had the same burger on six continents, right? So sameness is, is trusted, consistency. The only way to build a reputation as a, as a leader is consistency. The only way to build a brand as a company is consistency. So... So now that was brief and quick, but now we have a language to tie every issue to, right. and we have a way to solve those. So, you know, we're not going to get into all these, but we have spa method under compassion and the seven steps for character, the, 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 the how, how, how plan for clarity, the, these, these ways that we build them tomorrow morning and people can get those from the book or, you know, we'll give away whatever we can in this time or whatever we can online. We love this stuff. I'm passionate about this work. And, um, I, Yes, yeah. <laughs> as you should be. It's great work. And I and I love your passion. Do you see a commonality among maybe a top two or three, like the ones you see most frequently as a gap or maybe ones that maybe leaders are really missing? I know you said foundationally consistency is the most important, but are there are there one or two of them that are, that are like totally overlooked or so common? Actually, even though I said consistency is is foundational, it's it and affects the others so much, and they do interplay with each other. In the research, they're relatively co-equal, you know, and it kind of depended on the scenario. Mm-hmm. Boy, that babysitter, I want high character. That uh, as a golfer, I want you know high competency. I want that person to you know hit it. I don't care what they do when mm-hmm. they're not on the you know whatever. So, but in the way we talk about being a trusted leader or gaining the trust edge, we want all eight. I will say 
you can look at all eight and many people without taking any of our assessments have a gut check and like, oh, we're doing this one well. Ooh, that one we need to work on. But mm-hmm. if they didn't know, I would start with clarity. And here's the reason. It is so difficult for leaders to keep clarity in this world because of two things, time and change. I mean, we'll talk about trust right now and tomorrow people will forget. It was, oh, I really love that podcast. It was, a, oh, that was really cool. It was about, uh, I mean, it's so, we, we have such a busy, fast-paced, noisy world. We're losing clarity every day because of time and change. So most people, you know, you think about this. If we're absolutely clear about the values, the character pillar gets stronger. If we're absolutely clear about our vision, certain that, you know, the commitment tends to get stronger, that pillar. If we're absolutely clear about expectations, consistency pillar gets stronger. So mm. clarity pillar, we can do something about and we can see change in two weeks. If you have an issue with the character pillar or commitment pillar, it's going to take more time could take a sure. lot of things, right? So so that would be an idea to, hey, start with clarity because every one of us has an issue with clarity somewhere. sometimes there's this expectation or there's this thought process as a leader. I, I know I've been, um, I have my thoughts about it as a CEO of a company that, um, there are things you should be transparent about and things maybe you're not supposed to be transparent about. And I'm of the school that you just be transparent about everything. Cause we're all grown ups here. And I don't, I don't like secrets. I don't like to pander to people. I, I have a hard time not being actually like truly faithfully authentic as a person. And so as a leader of an organization, like good, bad, or ugly, you're going to, if you work for Belay, you're going to know exactly what's going on in Belay, good, bad, or ugly. That's really fantastic. I'll tell you the statistic from last year's, the last couple of years uh, research. Uh, and if people want the research, the, it's up, it's, we give it away at trustoutlook.com. It's uh, off just the research site. But one of the studies, 92% of employees said they would trust their senior leader more if they were more transparent about their mistakes. Mm. So not just transparency. I want to balance this out a little bit and yeah. say a few things. Because one thing is we 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 think we win on, oh, I'm cool, I got this award, I got that award. We actually might be admired for awards, but we're more trusted when we see humanness and our mistakes. And we understand we all have challenges, right? But there is something else I will balance this whole piece around with because people think they know it all about trust. I thought I knew it all about trust uh, before I did the research. Maybe not all, but I thought I knew kind of what it was. And it's so much more complex than people think. And here's one way. People say, uh, tr- there's people who even say transparency is trust. It, transparency is trust. Like it's the definition, vulnerability and transparency. And like I just said in that statistic and the way you're leading, mm-hmm. it's incredibly valuable. However, some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second, right? Because mm. confidentiality is also trusted. So there actually is a place for transparency and there is, as a leader, a place for confidentiality. It's other things are like that too. So it just is a little more complex in certain scenarios. Now, the way you're running it mm. is a great way to be transparent and just it backs up that statistic I showed. But on the other hand, you know, you, some of us, you know, in sixth grade, you know, I told this boy, I like this girl. He told everybody and trust him ever again. Right. Because that was yeah. a place to be confidential. 
Yeah, I, I love that you said that because that's actually where I see that that tension arise, right? Is that there are things that are confidential that won't be shared. Right. And, and that's when people make, well, why, why, why didn't you tell me or I didn't know? And it's like, well, you couldn't know. Right. And so there's yeah. that that dynamic you're kind of playing into as a leader, like what what you're able to be vulnerable and transparent about and what truly is confidential. So I love that you you bring that up because they are conflicting. At they times. are conflicting. And there's other things yeah. like that. Oh, confidence is trusted. But if that leads to arrogance, it isn't. It, it, there's, yeah. there's, it takes a long time to build trust. It takes a long time. Doesn't it take a long time? Well, no. On 9-11, complete strangers trust each other in a second if they're running the yeah. same direction. So you have these tensions mm. that kind of help people think bigger about this concept, which is really important uh, to kind of see that because trust, I mean, it is central. It is the root issue. So we have mm. to understand really what it is and then these, this framework for building it, of course. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I kind of was just going to ask you the next question. Like, mm -hmm. we're, we're the most practical business podcast, and we love to give our listeners sure. a very practical next step tip. Like, okay, you finished listening to this conversation, now go do X. I mm -hmm. mean, for me, I feel like the tip is go read the book, go check out the resources, and start working through that. But in addition to that, is there anything you would say is, is a great actionable step yeah. a leader who is listening right now can take to make progress in the trust of, the, of their team or their all right let's over deliver i'll give two yes first one i just okay. first one i need people to just think differently the second one will be okay. more actionable i'll, I'll, I'll okay. leave everybody in a cliffhanger the second one we've seen people <laughs> we've seen people triple sales in 90 days and it's the way i lost 52 pounds in five months okay wow that's okay. second first we gotta we gotta just mention one thing something i get asked a lot is David, how do you rebuild trust once you've lost it? And we've mm -hmm. all made mistakes. How do you rebuild it? Yeah. So we have a 10-step process in the coaching. Flame. I think the first book I had a 15-step process, but but a 10-step process for rebuilding trust if you're a big company with an oil spill. But whether you're a big company or you're an individual, it actually comes down to one thing. And many people think it's the apology when, in fact, you never rebuild trust on the apology. It doesn't mean you don't need to apologize for mistakes you've made to open the door of communication, but you never rebuild trust. Because we've got people saying, well, I'm sorry I'm late, David. No, you're late every day. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I'm late. Now you say that every day. We don't ever rebuild trust on the apology. The only way to rebuild trust comes down to one thing, whether you're a big company or an individual. And this is important for leaders to know. The only way to rebuild trust actually is to make and keep a new commitment. I was going to say change the behavior. Yeah, yeah, but you have to make a commitment mm. publicly and do something, you know, behavior. But so that that comes under the commitment pillar. Okay, mm. so let's go up to the clarity pillar for a quick takeaway. There's so many. Under this clarity pillar, we give oh, so many uh, ways to get clear because little tactics and, and ways can change. Market share can change trust in the, you know, in the leader and all this. But I'm going to give one simple one. Okay, it's a simple three-question process that actually drives strategic clarity or takes an idea to an action. And, and so people get stuck on, I, I, I'm not, the, the questions, three questions that drive strategic clarity or take an idea to an action, okay? It's not the why. There's a lot out there about the why right now, have a great why, sing kumbaya about it, all that. And by the way, that's great. Why gives passion, why gives purpose, still have your why. I'm not saying don't. There's a lot out there, of course, and I agree with much of Colin's work on who. Have the right who's on the bus. Get the right who's. You want to have the right who's. Get a who from Belay, right? Get, get the right who's. There's a lot of good in that. However, I still see buses full of fun who's singing about their why going right off the cliff and not doing anything. <laughs> okay? 
So That's how do we great. take an idea to an action? What, what's the, what are the three questions that actually give us hope because we can actually change something? These are the three questions. Okay, try to listen as if for the first time because these three questions ex are exact. They, they change the culture. I'm of taking the notes. Okay, second, yeah. second yeah. biggest healthcare organization in North America. They these. This is the way I lost 52 pounds in five months. Kept it off, which is much bigger, better than the Biggest Loser. I think six out of 150 people have kept their weight off, right? And then uh, it, it, we've had people triple sales. Lots of things here. So, what are the three questions? Number one. Okay, we want that thing. How? How? Okay, second question, Trisha, way more important. It is, how? <laughs> and the, the third is the most important of all. I, I it is, see where you're going how? with this. <laughs> right? Okay, so listen, ladies and gentlemen listening, you've got to ask how. You're speaking my language yeah. with the how, because I'm, how, I'm how, an how, operator. How. I'm always yes. how, 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 Right, how. yeah, exactly. So people have to ask how until they can do it today or tomorrow. That how gives hope. Most people mm. stop here instead of here. And I'm saying drill down on hows until you can do some. And by the way, I've worked with some of the biggest companies in the world, the biggest, oh, the biggest companies for sure in the world, some of the biggest countries. Global. I remember doing this with, uh, I'm not going to say the country, but leadership. Um, they think, oh, we got 50 rocks and 32 goals. And all this. We can never get, they always can. Every table, every person can get to a final how. How you do that? Then how you going to do it? And let's just take it a couple different ways. Uh, biggest, biggest healthcare organization in North America. I said to the CEO, we did all this trust work. He said, what do you really want to see change? Um, we need a better culture. Okay, great. How are you going to start to have a better culture? Uh, we're going to uh, we're gonna be more clear. We like your clarity pillar. Okay, great. Do I trust him yet? Not for a second. How are you going to be more clear? Uh, we're going to communicate more. Do I trust him yet? Not for a second. How are you going to communicate? We're going to hold each other accountable. I still don't trust him. That's not actionable. How are you going to hold each other accountable? I asked how seven more times. That CEO got to something that he could do differently tomorrow morning. Then we did it with the leadership team. They said seven years later, that was the tipping point because they understood how to get to a how they could act on tomorrow. And most people stop here instead of here. My help, my weight. I mean, everybody told me, oh, all you got to do is eat less, exercise more. That was not clear enough. Right. Okay. So I said, okay, how am I going to take in less calories? Okay. Uh, on a, a, a boom, 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 how, 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 until one of them was, I'm not going to drink a calorie on a plane. I can do, I can look at it. Okay. Fresca instead of, I was drinking Cokes. I mean, mm -hmm. bad meal, right? So uh, now you sit next to me. I never, almost never have a calorie on the plane unless I put a little cream in my coffee. I mean, it's, so mm -hmm. the how is something you can act on today or tomorrow. I'm gonna, I want to I wanna sell more. Okay, how are you going to do that? I'm going to call more people. Okay, great. How are you going to do that? Just, I'm just going to call more people. No, you're not. You, can, you had that opportunity yesterday. How are you going to call more people? Well, I got to get a list. Okay, now, how are you going to get a list? Okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, by tomorrow at 10 a.m., the final how. Mm. Final how always has a who, when, and where. So if it's me, a final how, okay, it's me. I know I'm the one doing it, but I'm going to work out tomorrow morning. If I don't know it's 530 in the morning, I won't do it. If I don't know where, I'm either going to go to the gym or run out the door. If I have a choice at 530, let me tell you. No choices. Choices don't work. I got to know mm. where. And when you do this on teams and with the companies, we, you know, we press people to do how plans every 90 days at least. We have a university football team that changed their win cycle. They do them every Every, after every uh, game, every seven days, like how, how are we going to win next week? How, 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 every position group, every individual, whatever. But as, as a team, if you ever do this as a group, also there's got to be a final who. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been lied to. Co-leadership is terrible. Collaborative leadership is excellent. Collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. If you ever see someone, somebody, well, yeah, but what about those co-CEOs? The only way it is ever working is when they have different responsibilities. Co 
leadership is the data. 50% less things get done when there's two people that are leading anything. So a final person. So a final how has mm-hmm. a final who, when, and where. So so what I would do right now, if I, if I never get to talk to anybody again here today in this amazing Belay group, which I've been so excited <laughs> to talk to you. And and uh, yeah, this is fun. I've read a lot about you. I've read you know the Hyatt books, and uh, this is really fun. So this is what I would do. I would take those eight pillars. I would underline one that you think you're doing well or two. I bet you're doing one or two well. And then I would think, okay, which one? If I built that pillar with somebody or some group, with my sales team, with a client, with my 17-year-old daughter, whatever, whoever it was, mm-hmm. I, I would go, okay, I want more I want more consistency here. Okay, how, 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 how? Mm-hmm. Until you can do something today or tomorrow. Tomorrow. That is brilliant. I love it. There has been so much, I don't know, and you talk really fast, so it's really hard to take notes. So I can't wait for this podcast to come out so I can re-listen it back <laughs> and feverishly take notes. Oh, maybe I'll, or maybe I'll just, you know, take those show notes with me. Yeah. But, Instead um, of, some people, you know, go two times on podcasts. Usually when I'm on, they just can go normal no, speed. No, you can go normal speed and it's like two times. I love it. I mean, you jam-packed so much goodness and information in this interview. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, David. This has been a an absolute pleasure. I know anybody listening to this podcast right now is walking away feeling like they've got some work to do and they have a step to take. So I really do appreciate your time. Trisha, thank you so much. It's been just a pleasure for me. Well, was that not the best One Next Step podcast episode you ever did listen to? What amazing energy from David. There were so many insightful things he spoke about. I I, I don't know if I could have one takeaway, but I'm going to pick one, guys. And, I, and I'm going to pick his three-step clarity process. How, how, how? What a fascinating way to kind of think through how to take your next steps on these eight pillars of trust. How, 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 until you get to your actionable item, the thing you're going to do tomorrow. Absolutely loved it. And we have a tremendous download for you so you can take your one next step. This week's download is David's Trusted Leader Masterclass. You can get a link to his full course by visiting the show notes page. Text the phrase One Next Step to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com and you'll get access to today's resource and the show notes to keep you moving forward. And there's going to be a lot of resources in today's show notes. (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Join us next week for another great episode of The One Next Step. Start by making today count. Tune in next week for our interview with Belay's Vice President of Marketing, Dorian Usherwood. Dorian will talk to us about using brand experience to really move your company forward. This is some great stuff that you don't want to miss. If you look at a great external brand experience, you know, it's one that creates brand ambassadors of people that aren't even employees of that company. A great internal brand experience is how your employees experience the company, how they're treated, guided, empowered, and the freedom you give them to do their best work. And, you know, the difference it makes is manifested in an employee or customer staying or leaving. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.